Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We are so grateful you have come to join us. We would love to invite you to one of our in-person services. To find out times, locations, and more about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Father, it's such a miracle that you're willing to mix with us in our current state. You just, you love being with your people. Feels to me like the Lord's homesick. He misses, there's a loneliness in his heart to just be with some of you and to be with us. and, And Father, I thank you that we could never make ourselves ready to be with you other than just be available for you. So today we make ourselves available for you. Thank you that you meet every cry, desire of our hearts. We just declare your always welcome here. Meet with us, your people. In the name of Jesus. seated there's a there's a word the beginning of of the book of Luke where it says it says that that the um, it says how the Lord welcomes sinners it's an interesting word it doesn't mean like you open up the door and welcome in it's like the, the the word implies when a soldier comes back from being away at war and there's an intimate welcome of a wife waiting for her husband to come home. This upsets lots of people that the Lord intimately welcomes sinners. This, that was the, what the whole, that whole parable was about, Luke chapter 15, about the prodigals. He loves us just the way we are. What a, what a, what a profound thought. Anyway, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to church. That's great. It's really good news. I have not ordered from anything from Amazon all year. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I also, um, uh, last year, I mean, in a very, in a very beautiful way, uh, I was, uh, I get reminded that I take my glasses on and off a lot. So I went and got some prescription glasses. I mean, we don't know if I'm going to wear them or not, yeah. <laughs> I like not having them, but I've done that. So now, got my teeth fixed, prostates healed, getting glasses, it's just hearing aids. And I'll be good to go. Um, the, um, the, this week is always dedicated. We try to commit at least seven days to the Lord and um, in, a, in, a, in our own kind of frail way of to just tell our flesh to settle down and invite the spirit to rise up. And this is a time, a week of fasting and prayer for the church. So I invite you to be part of that with us if you're not sure or you haven't fasted before. In the information desk, we have a brochure uh, that kind of lays it out a little bit. Um, I feel like um, pretty clear what the Lord, in Matthew chapter six, there was, he, he does, he says three things. Um, 
it's that he, he doesn't say if, he says when. When you give, he says that twice. When you pray, he said that twice. And when you fast. So these should be three characteristics of a follower of Jesus that are uh, just, they're just part of our walk with the Lord. That we give, that we pray, that we fast. So um, I believe that fasting means going without food. I don't, mean, I don't think it means going without social media, but you know, that's up to you. If that's, a, if that's a big sacrifice, um, whatever, and you give that time to Jesus, like you, you figure that out yourself. Um, so anyway, we're doing that this week. The, the church will be open from 6.30 till 8. We'll gather. We'll have, probably have a little bit of teaching, a little bit of Bible reading, prayer, and uh, I invite you just to go without food. Now, if you're on medication of some kind, make sure you ask your doctor. That's kind of important. And... Um, and just take it like, take it easy, like, like the eagles would say, you know, just take it easy. Don't, don't get all wound up on, you know, how many days or how much stuff or, uh, the, that, that's the first thing that'll be addressed is the religiousness within our hearts. Um, and so just do it as an invitation, ask the Lord for grace to do it and take a little bit of time to make a plan. I'll spend a, uh, a little bit of time this afternoon making a plan for the week. You change your routine completely. Um, change, uh, change some stuff up. So if you're not eating, like you can easily just dedicate that time to Bible reading, easily. And, um, and, and, um, and just expect there to be major, major breakthroughs. And uh, I, think, I think that um, there should be something. The Benedictines would fast one day a week. It was, it was a lifestyle. Some people fast one month a week, sorry, one week a month. And, um, but anyway, it's up to you, however you want to do that. But we're inviting you to be part of that, and we'll be doing that as a church. Okay, take your Bibles and turn with me. Okay, another thing, it's really good to bring your Bibles to church. Now, or your devices, I guess. But, but what's really important um, um, is that when we come to church to hear the word of the Lord, it's good to have it in front of you because while I'm speaking, the Lord will be speaking to you personally. And when you have your scriptures in front of you, uh, he may just keep on going from where I stop. And my suggestion is, if he's going, go with him. And just move with him. And because uh, I am, I pray for revelation when people gather together, that God would meet with us. And one of the ways he meets with us is through his word. Now, now the most powerful place on earth is not a Bible bookstore. This is powerful, but it's just a book. It's a book like no other book. But when the author of the book begins to speak, we need to have ears to hear what he's saying. And so we are a church of the book. So with that in mind, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, one of my favorite 316s of the many. Um, I'll read from the, the ESV. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In order for you and I to be equipped, we're equipped by the word. This is how we get equipped. <clears throat> so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how the word speaks to us, 
how to steward that when we receive it. And, and just, I, I will share a little bit more on this verse in a few moments. But all scripture is so important. Uh, th- there is a devaluing of the word of God in our culture right now. Have you noticed? And that devaluing of the scriptures has crept into the church. Uh, it is a battle that's worth fighting that we maintain that we are people of the word. This is really important. <laughs> it's not just Lorne's ideas. We preach the word. And I expect that this is just part of your process of learning all through the week. And when you come together and the word is preached, this place where people agree on the word, more than one or two, but hundreds agree, he meets us there. So I believe that the gathered church is the most powerful place on earth. Genesis 28 says it's the very stairway of heaven. It is, it is none other than Bethel, the house of God. It, it is a house of God when the people of God gather, the spirit of God moves, and the word of God is declared. That's what makes it a house of God. Okay, all scripture is God-breathed. There's no other, bo- no other book that can uh, have the claim that it is alive. This book is alive. So when I, when I read it, I actually talk to it. That, that might sound weird, but if it's alive... I expect it to talk to me. Well, I talk to it as well. So I open it up and I say, Lord, speak to me from your word. At which moment, my body and ears and the entire auditory system in, in my little office has to go in overdrive. And, and what I think happens in those next seconds is God begins to speak. Now, I get to make a choice whether I hear or not. He who has ears, let him hear, which means I have control over what I hear. So this is super important to me, the word of God. 40, 15, 3, 3, 1. 40 writers, 15 centuries, over three different continents in three different languages, one author. That's the word of God. Oh, God. All right. So the Bible is our source. I want to make that clear. <clears throat> it's our source. There's a term called epistemology, and it's a branch of philosophy that's concerned with the nature of knowledge. How do you know what you know? And we all have an epistemological bent to us. Your knowledge, the knowledge that we have, comes from someplace. Didn't just float through the air when we were sleeping last night. It comes from some place. And it's critical that we understand that, that there is a starting point by which information and the application of that information arrives on our brainwaves. So your moral baseline that you carry within your being didn't just happen one afternoon while you were riding your bicycle. It came from someplace. It has a source. For many, this baseline continues to fluctuate based on your friend's on your fads or the latest TikTok. So what we have to do is we have to have for ourselves a 
He's trying not to draw any attention to himself, so let me not help with that. <clears throat> Nobody can see you, Mitch, right now. <laughs> okay, so it comes from someplace. Why, why is that important? For some, there's a scientific starting point and a method that you've applied, but for me, it's the Bible. Unapologetically, the, may I say that it's more than a starting point for me, it's a final authority. It is the alpha and the omega of our experience and our truth. As long as I lead this church, I'm gonna be a Bible guy. The scripture is the truth with a capital T. And this is a huge problem because we live in a culture where tolerance is elevated above truth. This is the age of scary. So for us, we come together and we hear the word of the Lord declared and the result is we get to make a decision what we're going to do with that. Okay, <clears throat> now, I don't know if you're noticing how that, I mean, you could probably ask a bunch of people what's their, where they get their morals from or what's their baseline of truth. And many might even say, because I ask questions like that, many might say it's the Bible. My next question that follows is, have you read it? If this is really your instruction manual, because for life, my question is, have you read it? Some will, some will say, well, my, my baseline is the Ten Commandments. I go, oh, could you just quote them for me, please? So it's a nice idea, and it's cool to be able to say that, but my question is, unless we are people of the word, we're kind of tricking ourselves into thinking that we live by it, because the truth is we only believe the parts that we do. I, I, I heard a term this year over Christmas that shocked me. Has anybody heard the term MAP? You know what an MAP is? Some do. It's a minor attracted person. Yeah. Do you, now, do you know what the Bible calls that person? A pervert. But what we like to do rather than change our behavior is just change the term. So where are we going to get a standard of truth if we're not people of the word? It's just going to float in on the evening news if we're not careful. Or from the friends we're hanging out with. Or the latest cute tweet that was flying around. Okay, so point number one, the Bible is our source and our final authority. Um, point number two, I always want to mention about our our motive in reading the scripture. By the way, we invite everybody every year to read the Bible through in a year. It's not that hard to do. Uh, create a little habit, set aside 20 minutes a day, you can read through the Bible in a year. Really encourage you to read through the Bible in a year. Um, because it's alive, um, I think it's more important when you start to read it that you allow it to read you. And when that starts to happen, we can end up speed reading it at that point because we'd rather not stop and deal with the things within our heart that are confronted. But I'm told that it's like a mirror for me. And so when you see something in a mirror, typically, where did that, where did that hair come from? It's on my, well, pluck the thing out. We, it's like a mirror. I, that might have been a weird comment. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point about it being a mirror. So when I read through this, it actually re, it reflects back something about me and my life. 
And so why do we read the scripture? Well, I have found uh, for myself personally, there's a danger to read the scripture simply for knowledge. So you can win like a Bible trivia contest or something. I don't, know if, I don't know if you've ever been caught in that trap. I'm just going to read it so that I can know more about it. You ever been caught in that trap? I think I need to read the Bible so I can know what the Bible says. You're absolutely right. But there needs to be some, another step where when we see what it says, we choose to adjust our lives to the plumb line of the truth for us. That should go without saying. But it's much easier to say than it is to do. So, so when we're reading the scripture, it's not strictly for knowledge. More knowledge is not going to make you more godly. That's the trick. That's what most of the New Testament was written for, Gnosticism. If I, just get, I'll get, if I know more, I'll get closer to God. That's a huge danger. You'll just become uh, an intellectual Bible nerd. That's not, what, that's not the goal of reading the scriptures or studying the scriptures. And the second trap I found for me is reading it for a revelation buzz. For a feeling. Once, you, once that happens once or twice, because, because while this is our guide book, the Holy Spirit is our guide in reading it. When we don't allow the Holy Spirit to bring it to life, we become part of what's known as bibliolatry, where we just worship the Bible. That's not the intent or the goal. The word, when, it, when there's a word that says the Holy Spirit quickens, that word literally means physical resurrection. So while you're reading the scriptures, the Holy Spirit can make it come to life and it goes, boom, defibrillates you. Paddles on the chest. Boom. That can happen. When that happens, that little buzz can become a little bit addictive because we like the buzz. That's called selfishness when you're reading for a buzz. But read for a buzz anyway. <clears throat> the Bible is not the end, which is a subtle form of idolatry. The goal of reading and studying the scriptures is to recognize and respond to the voice of God so we can grow in intimacy, understanding, and obedience to him. Can I read that again, just in case? The goal of reading and studying scripture is to recognize and respond to the voice of God so that we can grow in intimacy, understanding, and obedience to him. This is why we study the scripture. There's no other book like it where you will get to know and understand what and who God is really like. It's in a class of its own. Sells over 20 million every year. This is the word of God, our standard for truth, and is God breathed. Okay. So when the, this is why the ecclesia or the ecclesia gathers together to build, to bless, and to breathe the life of God into others. So, so if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to have a Bethel where you're gathered because we're designed to live in community that the church of Jesus Christ is God's idea and we're told in Psalm 92 that when we plant ourselves in the house, we begin to flourish and thrive and grow. It's critical that we understand that because that as well, the church or the house of God or the gathering, why do we need to go to church? Dang, I've heard that too many times. It's because you're a follower of Jesus and you're meant to plant yourself in a house. This is the field 
or something like this that declares the word of the, God, of the Lord, that commits to living together under his lordship, and as a result, we will begin to grow. This is we're designed to live in that environment. Um, a, a disconnected life is a fruitless life. Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Make no mistake, the Bible can be misused and abused. We don't have to look any further than the devil who used it. When is the Bible not true? When the devil's using it. Hello. It's also not true when it's taken out of context. So when you grab a little piece of scripture and decide you're going to use that as a baseline for your life, make sure you read it in context. Okay. There's a danger. Uh, have you ever met a, uh, like a thumper? I, w- I grew up around thumpers, like, like not rabbits, but um, <laughs> Bible thumpers. Man, they love to, and, and, and it, they wouldn't do it like physically. I don't mind doing this, but they do it like that. That's terrible. No, 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 but has anybody been the, at, at, the, at the receiving end of a Bible thumper? Where they're taking the word and they're not, they're not wielding it in love. They're use, using it out of anger or control. Have you ever... You can justify any weird behavior you want if you just find a little piece of scripture rather than be a student of the whole thing. You can justify any quirky behavior. And do you know what? People are doing that as well. I don't know if you've heard any people talk about the... Uh, that's a battle I don't want to fight today. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. But when, you, when this is in the hands of an abuser, it gets used to abuse. We're told that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. You know what, you know what swords do? They're not just meant for saber rattling and challenging and char- they're meant, they cut. I gave a little knife to a big fella and little, the little knife cut him. Gee, I didn't think that was sharp. You think I'm gonna give you a dull knife? You ever heard that sharp knives don't cut? You don't get cut with using sharp knives? That's so dumb. I understand, but if you, know, you have to work harder if they're dull or whatever, but no, 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 sharp knives cut you. <laughs> Hello. Okay, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say that, when, that when somebody uses the, the word of God that's living and powerful and they use it with the wrong motive, it produces very nasty results. The worst thing is Bible abuse and, it can, and it's been used to abuse and it's been used, I mean, gosh, it's used to start wars, right? All right, I'll have more to say on that in the future. I love to say that it's our guidebook, but the Holy Spirit's our guide. Um, when, when it, I, and, and when, has anybody watched Mission Impossible 3? Really? What are you doing watching such a movie, Tim? <laughs> Mission Impossible 3, there's a, there's a scene where Tom Cruise gets, uh, he's in a uh, chair and there's a micro explosive shot up his nose, right? Yeah, no, it's a, I, that's a bit nasty, but like, it's kind of cool. Like the, like the scene is kind of cool. And, but, but I think of that as when I'm reading scripture, the Lord shoots like this truth bomb right into my brain. And it's kind of a picture I like to use. It's a bit gross, but humor me. 
Okay, let me move along. Got nine more minutes. Faith comes by hearing. So Romans chapter 10, verse 17. This is one of my, chapter 10, if you want to know what, if you want to read, like live in a couple of chapters over this next week, live in chapter 8, 9, and 10 of Romans. It's just magnificent. But this, this little passage uh, I find quite interesting where, where we're told, uh, verse 17, and now then, um, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. For now, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. Uh, uh, I want to go back just a little further, verse 14. How can they call, no, verse 13. Hmm. Okay, right from the start. No, no, sorry. For everybody who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a, that's a beautiful passage. But what follows that is, how then will they call on him, him, him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard, and how are they to hear some from without someone preaching, and how are they to preach unless somebody is sent? This, this, and, and then later it says, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's three words in the, in the scripture that I'm aware of for word. Uh, logos, rhema, and graphe. Graphe means written word. Uh, logos, which has been confused. It, it was confused for me. Logos means the wisdom and the character and the nature of God. It's the logic of God, the wisdom of God. Embedded in Logos is the application and the motive and the purpose for which it was spoken. We could say that the Logos is the way of God. And we could also say that Jesus manifested the Logos of God. He was the complete, right from the beginning to the end. He was the entire logic of God. He embodied that, which is why we use him as our model, which is why we say Jesus is Lord. There's another word, rhema, which is a spoken word. Now, I grew up as part of the faith movement of the 80s, and they used the word rhema to mean word spoken by God. If you look it up, you'll notice in the scripture that it is used now and again for that, but it's mostly used for a word that is simply spoken. What, am I, what are you receiving right now? Rhema. It's a word that's spoken. That's rhema. The logic is observing the word. The graphe is just the written word. Why is that important? Paul is simply saying here in, verse, in chapter 10, the hearer is limited to the message that is spoken. So this is how the logic goes. How, how, can they how will they call if they don't believe? And how will they believe if they have never heard? And how will they hear if nobody speaks and, or, or preaches or declares the word, the rhema? And how will they preach if they've not been sent? Well, I found, it's, this is interesting to me why they included that. Why, how, can they, how can they preach unless they've been sent? I have found many, many times that people went, but they were not sent. When you're around somebody who went but was not sent, you understand that the message, because we, we, we preach what we know, but we impart who we are. So when the message is spoken, the rhema goes out, what goes out also is a bit of the personality and the logos, the wisdom and the knowledge and the experience behind that. So you can... I found people, this, I get this crazy question being the, as the overseer of Canada, why do I need to be part of a movement? Why can't I just go put up a sign and say, come and have church here? Why? So you can, but you will not be sent. You just went. 
You can just, you can, y'all can just do that anytime you want. But what you're going to do is you're going to impart who you are. And we're meant to be part of something for a reason. So, uh, <clears throat> nobody is sent with nothing. You're sent with something. The, the implication of the apostolic nature of the word of God is you're sent from someplace with something to somewhere. So you don't just go out, you go out with a, a revelation, not just a word, but you go, I'm still living under a revelation when we were sent here from 28 year, 29 years ago this year. You're, so, you're, so here's what happens. Somebody gets cut by the word, not healed by the word. Right, it's double-edged. So what happens? They go start a church. It's, it's the church of the Owie. Because the message you got is the word hurts. You can teach it as much as you want. What will be received, this, will be the, this is the church of the wounded. And don't, don't kid yourself, they will gather lots of people who are upset with spiritual leaders. They'll come because the message in the spirit that goes out, come, we understand people who are hurting and broken and messed up. Come on and be part of us and we'll all just hug each other and bleed all over the floor. The church of the wounded. Has anybody, anybody ever been to the church of the wounded where there's no healing, there's just more wounds and another wound and another wound and another wound. No vision. Well, the vision is let's just mop up. It's the church of the big owie. They were not sent. They just went. Uh, preaching, impartation, ministry, commissioning are kingdom protocols that need to be obeyed. Maybe I'll say more on that in the future. Every, every, when we experience someone who's been hurt, who comes and what happens after that is the, they gather around the unhealed heart and nobody ends up getting healed because they've not walked in healing themselves. I'm gonna pray for healing in a few moments. I've been healed probably six, five times at least. But Jesus doesn't t t say pray for the sick. Uh, James does, calling the elders of the church to pray for the sick. Jesus says heal the sick. So I'm gonna take a little longer with a couple people because I wanna see you healed. Now by the way, this is uncomfortable for me because I'd rather not, but I really think the Lord wants to heal some people today. I'd rather not because the chance of looking funny exists when, when you call on people to be healed and they think they're not healed and, or something happens. And, but, but I believe God wants that to happen because, because he confirms his word with signs following. Did you know that? Doesn't confirm the worker. He confirms his word. So we're preaching the word. We can expect the word to bring fruit. It's that simple. We believe that. Okay, so, so we all begin our faith journey with nothing more than some truth that we heard and believed, and that activates the, the application of grace, which is the ability to be and do all that God says is true about Christ, and it's grace that frees us to make happen in our heart with his strength, and the experience now becomes, here's what, when we come together, uh, and, and he says this, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing through uh, the word of God. Uh, last, last, second last, it's God breathed. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. This is a very cool word. 
God breathe. Uh, Theonostos. It sounds like a Cree word, actually. Theonostos. But it's not. It's a Greek word. Theo, meaning God, and, and pneuma, meaning to breathe hard. So, the Bible is God speaking and has his breath breathing hard. So when you read it, when we read the scriptures, expect something to come out because it's alive. Theonustos. Mark chapter four, four and verse 14 says, the sower sows the word. You, there's no sense in expecting a harvest if you haven't sowed the word. This is the word. And we sow the word in our heart. Okay, and then the last verse, that's not going anyplace. Um, how important it is that success is daily. This is one of the best hacks I've learned in life is, is to live in a 24-hour window. That success for me is 24 hours long. Uh, for, for, for you to, for us, sometimes if the window is too big, it's very hard for us to rise to that. If I said, even for some of you, let's fast for a week. That might be a long time. Can you, can you, can you do it for 24 hours? Bet you can. And if you do it for two days, you're on a winning streak. You just keep going. So this 24 hours. If I could ask you to take the next 24 hours and take 30 minutes of that just to read the word. And then once you did that, and then tomorrow set aside the same amount of time, and the next day, and the next day, by the end of the year, you will have consumed the entire body of scripture. 24 hours. This is important. That success is daily for us. Have you ever noticed that Jesus in his prayer, he said, the Lord's, the disciples prayer, give us this day. I would prefer to say, give us this month, our daily bread. Then say that. Be, why? Because if he, if he, if we were to say, give us this year, we would quit depending on him after like three days. So give us this, it says, give us this day, not this week. Daily dependence. How often are we instructed to take up our cross? Every day, daily, right? All right, What's the, what, how long was the expiration? How long did it take for manna to expire? 24 hours, one day, that's right. What's the deadline on your anger? Sundown, one day, right? When are the Lord's mercies renewed? <clears throat> Every morning. I see you guys, this isn't Bible trivia, but you've got it. 75% of New Year's resolutions, they fail because the, the one-year timeline is too long. Let's learn to unleash the power of 24 hours. Okay, we want the band to come. I want to pray for some people. I hope that was helpful and, and had a little theonustus in it, a little bit of God breathe. Um, <clears throat> if you're wondering what we're going to do in the next little minute, I'm going to pray for... Uh, I don't... I, so if you're sick and tired... Of being sick and tired, I want you to come to the altar for prayer. I don't think we should start this year sick and tired. Uh, if there's others of you who are wondering about this week of setting yourself apart for prayer and fasting, uh, take this time, if you're not at the altar, take this time to ask the Lord to speak to you this week somehow. Ask him how long he wants you to fast. Ask him what he wants you to fast, how he wants you to fast. Let this be a time of relational intimacy between you and the Lord. Okay, let's all stand. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you would like to give to our church, go to myc3church.ca. See you next week.